We are live on Monday the 6th of June. Uh, it's 11.51 in the morning uh, for this uh, this emergency uh, solo edition of the podcast. Here we fucking go. Uh, I've been joking about Boris Johnson's confidence vote for a couple of weeks. Uh, but there's still so much to focus on. There's <laughs> just... There's so, so much to roast with it. Uh, one of my TikToks seemed to catch fire uh, a couple of times, like first on TikTok and then on Twitter last night. And, there's, you know, it's obviously hit something. You know, there's a lot of people really weirded out about this uh, confidence vote. So let's just let's get straight into it, guys, shall we? Um, this is a guy, Boris Johnson, who lives for adulation. Uh, he needs people to like him, right? just cold vacuous narcissism <laughs> like he should really he should just do tiktok that should be his thing like every other narcissist on the fucking planet if not for any other reason than the comment section on tiktok will temper that narcissism quite successfully i feel it's difficult to maintain the idea that you're the best thing since sliced bread and everyone needs to pay attention to you when every time you post something about fuel poverty, there's a hundred people like, do you have a Patreon where we can pay you to shut the fuck up, you guppy cunt? You know, like TikTok really tempers narcissism. I know that sounds weird. Like most people think it's, you know, a sort of haven for narcissists, but I, I feel it actually treats it. Um, I never understood why a man like Boris Johnson didn't just host a shit Radio 4 panel show? Like, doesn't that feel like that should be his home? That's where he should have been, I think. It'd be him hosting and, like, team captains are fucking... Who would be team captain on his shit Radio 4 panel show? It'd be, like, Giles Brandreth and Alexander Armstrong, you know? <laughs> like, those three. Wouldn't that... That makes perfect sense to me in my brain. That's where he should have been. And it would be called something like on the right side you know something hacky and shit like that three arguably very conservative individuals i mean i think giles brandreth i think he's fairly tory and obviously boris johnson we all know but i don't know if alexander armstrong is necessarily tory um you don't want to judge a book by the cover but if he told you he was tory you'd be like yeah sure i mean <laughs> we, we assume that you know so the three of them together on a show on a panel show called on the right side, this Thursday night on Radio 4. You know, that would... Doesn't that feel right? That should have been his life. White, Oxbridge, self-satisfied, hack jokes, but harmless. Which weirdly actually would have also made a good working title for it. What are we calling it? Are we calling it on the right side or hack jokes, but harmless? Well, it depends where we're advertising it, I guess. Um... If it's in the Telegraph, it's on the right side. If it's in the Independent, it's called Hack Jokes But Harmless. And if it's in the Sun, Wacky Silly Man Go Boop Boop. You know, like, just wherever you're advertising it, it's got a slightly different name. But ultimately, that's the format that he should have... That's all he should have been. is another self-satisfied Oxbridge Groupon Golf Club cunt ostensibly caged in Radio 4. You know, because then, like, what damage could he do? What damage could he have done in Radio 4, feeding his ego there? Like, the worst that he could have done is what? Like, lie on the BBC, right? 
But if it's a satirical show, like you could just say whatever the fuck you like, right? And and then it's not lying. Then it's like comedic license. You get away with it a little bit easier. I think that's the phrase, isn't it? Comedic license, theatrical license. Whatever the phrase is, like, like it's technically theatre, so you can just say whatever you want, and then if people cry about it and say, "Oh, that's not true," then you just say, "Oh, it's a comedic license or theatrical license." Like that shit's like it's like lethal weapon. <laughs> it's like diplomatic immunity. You know, it's like you say something, somebody doesn't like it, and then you're just immune from it. It really is an incredible way of neutering your adversaries. Incredibly smart to just say, you know, yeah, it's satire, you know. So therefore you can't take offence and you can't, you know, hashtag Boris fucks livestock, obviously, in that vein. And that's all he should have been. Anyway, like, is, is a harmless Radio 4 panel show guy. And you know what's funny, like, like people always, people are always like, oh, you know, we need diversity. We need lots of diversity in media. It's not diversity in a, you know, like it, like this, this, there's, there's too many white male Oxbridge faces on the BBC. Well, great, but now you've got this jokeless clown desperate for attention and approval who should have been disappointing a BBC audience somewhere, and instead he shouted Brexit to make us like him, and he horse-fucked the country, and now we're all paying the price for it. So yay for diversity. Thanks a lot, Lenny Henry. <laughs> Fuck this, I'm going right-wing. That's it. It happened here today, guys, on this episode. I'm going right-wing. I used to think those guys were small-minded, bigoted cretins, but now it's clear to me they were just funneling the dangerous entitled sociopaths into well-paid positions at the top of media and FTSE 100 companies to keep them out of Whitehall, where they would fuck things up. And that's the type of racism I think we can all get on board with <laughs> for the greater good, right? Like, even my black listeners... Guys, if you were going for a top job at ITV or, you know, Radio 1 or Newsnight or something, if you were going for the top job there and the guy you were up against had an offer in number 10 strategy or something, you know, and he was going for this job as well, though, against you. But he was an obvious cunt and you were talking to him in the waiting area, you know, like you're both going in for the interview for the same job as the head of Newsnight or something. And as you're talking to him, he says something like, well, you know, if this doesn't work out, I'll just uh, I'll just join number 10 strategy. I can't can't wait to get stuck into slashing budgets for schools and hospitals across South London. <laughs> hey, go ahead. Hey, hang on. Wait, wait, wait. Where did you say you were from again? And then you're like uh, South London, actually. And he's like, no, no, I mean, I mean, originally, you know, like if you were talking to him in a waiting area and he's oh, that much of a. You know, out of touch, Tory, callous, sociopath, racist. You know, you were talking to him there. Wouldn't there be a part of you as a black man or a black woman that would just let that guy take that top job in the interest of keeping him out of Whitehall, where he could actually do some serious damage to wider society? You know, like you'd be in the waiting area and you might just kind of go, I don't know if representation is this important, you know? Like, you want to take the top job, but also you're like, I don't know if I want this guy not getting this job and then going into number 10 strategy. Like, I like producing content that comes from different races and walks of life that could teach people about other lifestyles and cultures. But is it going to teach my kids how to read better than the school that this motherfucker's going to cut the budget of? 
No, it's not. Like, I like rep- representation, but I really like having an A&E that's not closed and is now just being used as a fucking music video set by some grime collective. You know, like, I want to keep schools and hospitals. Anyway, look, I'm babbling, clearly. Uh, wouldn't you just let him take the job as the head of Channel 4 or something? You'd be like, whew, that was close. Almost had a fucking racist, incompetent prick heading up government. It's the rarely heard downside to shoehorning Oxbridge white self-satisfied guys into position of influence at the head of media. So anyway, Johnson should have just been in front of a camera behind a desk, you know, with an audience chortling along to his gags and his eccentricity and his silly hair and his off-colour comments about, you know, what was that thing he got in trouble for? One of his gaffes. Uh, This is about like three or four years ago. I think he was foreign secretary. And he got in trouble for saying like, oh, I think it'll be a fine fine, fine, uh, destination uh, once they've cleared the bodies away. (laughs) You know, like that sort of off-colour stuff. He'd He'd be fine, you know, behind a desk in front of an audience saying that stuff and there'd be a few titters and he'd be the star of the show and he'd have the attention and presumably the laughs, although I'm not entirely sure what comedic audience finds him so fucking funny, but fine, you know, to each their own, right? I did I did stand up for five years and I've seen utterly fucking terrible comedians not only sell out rooms, but leave crowds in convulsive fits of laughter from fucking an impression of a self checkout so you know, so honestly fine i'm sure there's an audience for it and that's where he should have been in my mind but i think for me that's been the perhaps ironically funniest thing about boris johnson i think this was a guy who routinely appeared on have i got news for you and top gear and he had his light-hearted columns in gq and his silly hair and his piss take comments that's who he was right but we all know that that's who he was he was this sort of media friendly silly tory and friends of mine who felt disillusioned with labor in 2018 and 2019 and they didn't think much of corbyn they they took glee in the prospect of this sort of veritable comedian taking up like walking up to the dispatch box and mocking the then Labour leader like PMQs was going to become this comedy roast. They were salivating at the thought of it, you know, like like I remember one friend in particular saying like, oh, mate, PMQs is going to be spectacular now. You know, Corbyn is going to get mauled, you know, and the jokes, the punchlines like like this guy loved the potential for him. It was like that. This guy, this new conservative leader, who was a bit of a joker, and sort of I don't know, implausibly seen as quite witty, and he would not only be very effective at skewering his opponent, but he'd be funny and entertaining because this friend of mine was also a stand-up comedian. So the potential for him, like it was almost um, I don't know, like the vibe was like he was intoxicated at the potential of it it's like when you when you hear that your favorite band is about to release the follow-up album you know the sophomore album and they thought that their first out their debut was incredible and now you're like almost lightheaded 
in anticipation at what magic is about to unfurl with the follow. Like it was almost, you know, he was so excited about what was coming now that Boris Johnson was going to be Tory leader. And yet, and, and this is this sort of ironically funny layer to it. It's like with all of that anticipation, as we all now know, like Johnson's appearances at PMQs have largely been a blend of what? Like ineffective, tub-thumping bluster and then ill-prepared schoolboy, you know? It's kind of, you know, it almost makes you feel bad. It's like the funniest thing about him has been the expectation that this sort of pseudo-comedian would wipe the floor with whoever was opposite him every Wednesday at 12 o'clock. That expectation meeting the reality of just, like, what? Fucking bluster and ill-prepared schoolboy. And, of course, the bluster is just designed to paper over the the lack of meaningful policy and and certainly his ability to improve anyone's lives or more broadly speaking uh govern you know and then the flustered ill-prepared schoolboy stuff you know from that comes from not being a, across his brief and thinking he can just wing it and then to a i suppose greater extent being caught off guard by party gates and you know let's be real credit where it's due being caught off guard by a labor front bench that frankly and clearly I'm biased here, frankly, they outperform him and his cabinet at virtually every fucking level in the House of Commons, in the select committees, on the breakfast sofas, every time. It's substance and solutions and scrutiny from Labour. And then, like, what do you get from their Tory counterparts? It's like symbolism and culture war nonversation from people like fucking James Cleverly and Patel and Truss and Raab and Shaps, just low rent, high risk chances every time. I mean, they're also, they're also spectacularly unqualified for their positions that it's kind of like, here's, here's a wild thing I sometimes come back to. Like it's, they're so unqualified that is it actually a wonder how often you read about Tories subscribing to eugenics? Because, like, the idea that they got there on merit is kind of ridiculous. It makes far more sense to be able to say, I got this job because I'm genetically better than you. Like, doesn't it? Like, it really adds up when you look at it through that sort of prism of them being really unqualified. Like, they shouldn't... Because, like, then through their mind, it's like, yeah, I got this job because you're a shit pover. And you belong in the workhouse, you filthy plebby prick. Now clean my shoes. <laughs> like, clean my shoes so that I might embed one in your rectum for the poor job of cleaning you visited upon my outhouse. Quaff, quaff. You know, like, it's like if you knew you weren't qualified for a government job, for a superior's job, then it sort of explains how you're still there in your grace and favour flat and you get to expense everything to the tax coffers. Like that's if 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 the reason that you get to do that is just well I'm because I'm better because I'm just meant for this. Some people are up here and some people are just meant to be dead. Well, you know, some people are just you. You know, like it kind of makes sense. Like it it kind of adds up then, I think, that you might be tempted to subscribe to the idea of eugenics if it explains the reality 
that you're in a really cushy fucking job that you didn't deserve, right? I mean, that's one of the cruel, crushing tragedies of Alexander Boris de Feifel Johnson. People thought he was going to be this charismatic, funny man bringing down the house with his japes and his gags. But actually, huge disappointment on that front. You know, it's kind of it's like a Shakespearean tragedy in that sense. This man sort of driven by uh, ego and a desire to be to be loved or drenched in adulation. And yet, huge disappointment. And indeed, like the disappointment extends to his cabinet, you know, by as, as an extension of him. In that sense, it is kind of, <laughs> it's the first dipping of the toe into shared responsibility that that cabinet has ever really uh, embraced, is that his failure, his lacklustre uh, performance absolutely extends out to his wider cabinet. And I suppose that's the downside to hiring a bunch of sycophants to be your yes men, right? Like, like they might do what you want. They might, by association, make you look good, you know, because they're so shit and unqualified and hired purely on the basis that they would say yes or say Brexit was amazing. Like, so they might make you look like the most competent one because they're all so shit. But ultimately, if they are all as fucking useless and clueless as this existing cabinet, like all you're going to end up with is a conveyor belt of mistakes and scandals and fuck ups that that then you yourself are then in the unenviable position of having to defend or of trying to not sack them <laughs> because you don't want to have to replace them with other because it's really hard to find people who will then say, yeah, Boris Johnson is a great guy and I'll stick up there, you know. You've already got them in position. You don't want to lose them and have to go hunting for other idiots. Like, it was hard enough to find this bunch. You end up wasting your time, pretending that it's not a big deal when they fuck up or they get themselves in a scandal or, you know, or fighting tabloid hysteria. When you want the attention to be on you or your new policy idea, have that limelight on yourself, and instead it's on their fuck up, like their bullying report. Or the racism report, or Nadine Dory's latest gaffe, or Reese Mogg essentially calling a hundred people who burnt to death stupid, you know? So the tragedy with Johnson is that he needs to be liked. And in his quest for that approval, he has become so manifestly unliked. Hugely unpopular as a result of needing to be liked in any given situation. Because here's the here's the sort of weird psychological kink of human beings. It's like chasing being liked doesn't make you liked. That sounds kind of weird, doesn't it? But also kind of obvious. Chasing being liked actually doesn't achieve likedom, for want of a better word. It's a cruel truth. And it's one of us that those with, like, those of us with a... Uh, uh, a gaping canyon of low self-esteem only come to learn in our late 20s or 30, you know, early 30s. Like, you know, when you get to that point in life where you, you, like it dawns on you, like the realisation, you're like, oh, hang on a minute. I don't actually need these people to fucking like me. You know, I don't give a fuck 
if they do. <laughs> wow, I feel so liberated. I can, I can just be me. Oh, my God. You know, like, that happens late for some people. For a lot of people, it's just too late. Like, they don't give a fuck from day dot. But for a lot of people, it comes a bit later, in their late 20s or early 30s. And I count myself in that kind of, that arena. All of that kind of try-hard sort of, oh, hey, me too, right, guys? <laughs> can, I, can I come? Do you like me? <laughs> How about now? Do you like me? You know, like, all of that leaves the fucking room in your late 20s and early 30s. But for some people, perhaps men who fail upwards, perhaps men who have seldom been told no, men for whom chasing popularity and approval has become, I don't know, a substitute for the love that they should have received as a child but they were sent off to a private boarding school, perhaps. For those men, maybe it comes even later, if ever at all. Maybe it, maybe that absence of love and attention becomes the chasing of popularity, just that's who they are. But in that quest to be liked and to always be popular or approved of, like I said, you know, being chased, uh, being chased, chasing being liked doesn't make you liked, right? So it's not surprising hugely, is it, that Johnson chasing after the Brexit vote or chasing after the culture war stuff or chasing after the approval of the Telegraph or the Mail, like chasing after the Royalists or the ERG or donors or his wife's preferences for who should work in number 10 or like whatever, that it would result ultimately in him pissing people off left, right and centre. Because in trying to please everybody, you actually please nobody. You know, it's a bit like Facebook. Like when Facebook first came about, people kind of liked it because it appealed to the, what, like the youth popular culture thing, right? Like social groups, sharing photos, commenting, liking, poking each other. But in trying to appeal to everyone, you know, like, well, what if we had a news group for this? What if we had a, a, a Facebook page for that? What if we did news sharing? What if we, you know... What if there was a Starbucks advert on every fucking page? Like, in trying to appeal to everyone, like, what, what even is Facebook now? Everyone fucking hates it. Does anyone go on Facebook anymore? Does it, like... I mean, it's it seems to be just people in their late 60s and 70s that spend their time on, on Facebook. Everyone else is like, no, nah, I'm on TikTok or Snap or, you know? And trying to appeal to everyone, you, you kind of appeal to no one. You become the fucking... What, like... I don't know. Michael McIntyre of of politics or, you know, I think that's why more like more generally speaking, I know we're getting really psychological on this episode, but indulge me. Uh, I think more generally speaking, nobody likes the guy that physically needs to be liked. You know, nobody likes that guy. We all know those guys. We've all met them. Those kind of like try hard types. You're just trying a bit too hard, you know? They just ape everything you do because they think that that will make you like them more, you know? Like, it's almost like they think, well, then we'll have that in common, you know? <laughs> then that will be our friendship. I guess that's the calculation, right? Is is they they, they copy your sayings and your expressions and they'll tell you that they like the same music as you do without exception. But it's just like, it's just icky, it's like, you know, the try-hard... Like, I remember a few years ago, quick aside, uh, I remember a few years ago doing a stand-up bit 
about how weird we are as a species that we interpret niceness and meanness in completely the reverse way that we actually should than the way that would make any logical sense it's like niceness and then meanness it's like niceness kind of puts us on edge a little bit do you think whereas meanness quite often we're kind of okay with it i don't know like maybe it's a guy thing or, or like maybe it's a me thing i don't know like with a you know gaping canyon of low self-esteem as i mentioned but like like is it like i'll give you an example right so there was this guy at my old work years ago super nice guy really polite overtly outwardly friendly to the point of disgust you know what i mean like just a disgustingly nice bloke never swore always wished you well always smiling nodding while he smiled to almost like gesture you to smile you know like like smiling at you in the morning like morning like you know nodding to get you to nod along and smile with it. like just disgustingly nice is the only way i can think of to to describe him and then there's your mates and they're just a different breed right they're just mean but you like it you know mean but you like like that's your mate like you turn up at the pub and they're like uh they're like oh sorry i'm late yeah oh, i had to yeah i had to and you're like oh where do you you were you had to stop in somewhere like how come you're like oh yeah no I just, I just had to stop off and fuck your mum you know like it's just stupid unnecessary mean shit to you you know you're like hey how's it going uh rog they're like oh yeah all right you can't like they'll call you a cunt but it's okay you know makes it kind of makes you like them more and then we go back to the nice people like this guy at my old job and they see shit like morning aid how was your weekend <laughs> did, did you get out in the sunshine oh lovely no re really happy for you You're like oh who the fuck is this guy oh i hope he dies you know it's just yeah <laughs> like it should be the other way around like if someone's nice to you you like it but if someone's mean to you you'd scoff at them but it's not it's completely the reverse and it's the same with romance right it's like if a man is too nice to a woman she's like Neh. you know <laughs> like I know that probably sounds like like I'm dipping a toe into some fucking incel shit, but I don't mean like, you know, beat the shit out of her. They fucking love it. You know, I'm not <laughs> I'm not on some woman beating holder down. You know, this episode brought to you in association with the Metropolitan Police of London. I'm not on that shit. I mean, like if a guy is too nice, you know, if he never lets his guard down, if he doesn't swear or kind of take the piss out of you a little bit, you know, like a bit of banter. It's just, I don't know, if a guy's just always, like, it's a bit like, eh, you know, isn't it? So whether it's, whether it's friendship or romance, I don't know what it is. If it's like, you think it's insincere if they're too nice, if they're trying to please everyone, if they're this sort of try hard kind of thing, if you think it's insincere, like they're just pretending to be nice nobody's that nice come on let your guard down tell me i'm a cunt and you fuck my mom you know because that's real now now we can grab a beer if you if, if that's what you're saying to me if that's the way you treat me but if you tell me i look younger with my new haircut and have a good weekend day i am not grabbing a beer with you <laughs> then it's like then it's like are you trying to fuck me or you know like there's suspicion there right 
Maybe it, maybe it is low self-esteem. I don't know. Like, you couldn't possibly really like my hair. I mean, fucking look at me. So what is this? What are you trying to do? What are you after? You know, like, like we don't like people who need to be liked, generally. And I think that's the Boris Johnson thing. I think it's kind of he needs to be liked universally and indeed specifically like in in every single room that he's in in every meeting with every promise every commitment he needs to be liked as a narcissist he can't bear being disliked for even a second i don't know where it comes from like as as people why some people are like that and why he has to be like that and what like it's kind of tragic for him i don't know if it's like maybe maybe when you when you when you encounter a nice person or, or someone that needs to be liked like that and they please you, consist, you know, go out of their way to please you. Morning, Aid, how are you doing? Oh, it's a weekend. Like, do they make you feel bad about yourself? You know, about yourself, about how, how not nice you are? Like, they're so nice and cliche likable, you know? Morning, Aid, how are you doing? Yeah, you get out this week subconsciously maybe it makes you think if this is how nice and good a regular person is what does that say about me and my private judgy thoughts you know like this guy just asked me how my weekend was and wished my sick grandmother well and he didn't even sound sarcastic so by comparison like what was i thinking the whole time he was talking i was thinking just fuck off just fuck off i hate you fuck off you fucking weirdo so clearly i am a monster like that's what you think subconsciously and so then you know you don't think that. So, like, the, the, you know, the second best thing, the more comfortable thing to think is for you to go, it's not that I'm a massive cunt, it's that this guy is disgustingly nice, so fuck him, I hate it, you know? Like, so we don't like him. Does that make sense? Clearly I'm babbling. If this is your first time tuning into this show, you must be thinking, who the, like, what the fuck is this? I thought, I thought this was supposed to be a political thing. Like, why are we deconstructing the self-loathing of people pleasers but yeah i don't know look probably in all honesty probably it's trauma when you know when we don't like these sort of people that need to be liked because chasing as i said chasing being liked unfortunately makes you disliked and when we dislike these people who go out of their way to to be liked I think actually what that is, is it is trauma kind of in a way. It's the like the awkward, inconvenient, self-reflective truth probably about it is that I and maybe you don't want to face. Right. Is that we've been traumatized through childhood to think that being called a shithead and disrespected in public, you know, just treated badly is how the people that quote unquote love us treat us that's how our family treat us is like to call us a shit or like ignore us or you know disrespect us so we're just kind of comfortable with that that's what we know that's familiar we can handle that so call me a cunt in the pub and i'm like yeah i know this cool let's sit down we're all just irreparably fucking traumatized and the cycle continues so okay great no way out nailed that one hashtag influencers um but i think that's what boris johnson is you know, just circling back, bring this back to Boris Johnson. In his quest to be liked, it has ultimately left him disliked and quite substantially to the point that now today we're holding this vote of no confidence. 
And if he is pushed out of the Tory party, I read earlier on, I think it was Otto English's uh, Twitter, that this will be the shortest tenure of a prime, like shorter than Theresa May, shorter than, you know. So it's quite a humiliating end for him, for a man who has chased like them, again, to coin a word, uh, to for for that chase, for that thirst to have left him in this position where he's so manifestly disliked. But it's not surprising for the, like, for the reasons that I've covered. People don't like people whose only goal is to be liked, right? Like, if your personality is, please like me, that's not a person. <laughs> that's, that's like an empty shell. That's wrapping the end goal around yourself like a security blanket with, with like, nothing underneath. You know, and the security blanket's just peppered with a few superficial personality traits and tweaks to appeal to whoever you're in the room with at that exact moment you know please like me that's my personality that's why people say johnson is unreliable and, and untrustworthy right because whoever he's in the room with he'll say whatever he needs to to retain the likedom to retain the vaguely positive upbeat atmosphere to gain their approval or retain it and you know small examples of that were I think it was the international aid secretary who said that the prime minister looked him in the eye and promised his department was safe from cuts. Only to find out a couple of months later that the ship was getting slashed to fuck. <laughs> and he was like, I, I mean, he looked me in the eye and promised me like, you know, of course he fucking did. Because at that exact moment, that's what he needed to say to get you to like him. And he couldn't bear the thought of you judging him or reprimanding him or going away and telling other people that the meeting was really bad and he didn't listen or he was a bit of a cunt to me. You know, textbook narcissism has to be liked. And then more personally, perhaps more tragically, more brutally, you know, he made various commitments to his now ex-wife. Commitments like, I won't fuck other people. <laughs> or, I won't run off with someone else when you're in the middle of fucking cancer treatment. Commitments like that, things that he had to say in that room at that time to get everyone to like him, or at least not dislike him. And where did that fucking end up? Like all of these, all of these separate trajectories towards likedom. I'm so sorry if there's any like English teachers listening to this. And every time I say likedom, you're coming out in hives. You're just like, oh man, I like the political stuff, Aid. I'm here for the psychological analysis, but please get a fucking dictionary. I apologize and I will get a dictionary at some point. Some vague commitment in the future. I'm not going to buy a fucking dictionary for you. I'm literally just telling you what you need to hear for you to leave this room and not go away and talk shit about me. Okay, that's where my narcissism is going to start and end. Uh, and and a, you know a bit of TikTok too. There's a, about 65 letters have gone in though apparently in the vote of no confidence uh, or, or to trigger it. Um, 65. I was texting with uh, a chap called uh, John Left of the Countryside, who's a guy on TikTok. Uh, and he and I voice note each other a lot and we talk about politics and life, love and the universe. And uh, he was saying, he was sort of marvelling, musing, if you will. He was like, 65 is quite a chunk. And he was like, and they reckon it could get to like 100, 120, 150. I've read one estimate that says that we could reach 190 votes to remove Boris Johnson. And John was saying, like, imagine that, you know, if you're a narcissist, imagine knowing that that chunk 
of your workforce think you're a cunt like like going into the office like if we just look at it number for number right it, let's say it's a fifth imagine knowing that everyone on the first floor of your five floor company everyone on the first floor thinks you're a massive fucking bellend like how would you set foot in the office you should go and follow follow john left of the countryside because he's just started doing this new podcast called the on topic podcast and i'm sort of hyping it for him because it's just getting started i think they're on episode three now and uh, they cover a new topic every week it's i think it's really good uh they've done one on restaurants and one on like having pet dogs and stuff and uh, it's a different topic every week with him and his mate um but yeah, John's a great guy. Go and give him a follow if uh, if you are on TikTok. I don't think he's on Twitter, though. He needs to get on Twitter, really. Um, also, another sort of instantaneous update. Uh, John Penrose has just resigned uh, in, in response to Partygate, I'm told. John Penrose was the anti-corruption czar for Boris Johnson, which in itself is fucking hilarious. It's like hearing that Boris Johnson's got an ethics advisor. Like, who the fuck is going to take the job of ethics advisor or anti-corruption czar for this fucking government? It's such a laughable job. Anti-corruption czar to Boris Johnson. Imagine having that on your fucking CV. Imagine being an anti-corruption czar for Johnson. That's like that's like bragging you were an accounting consultant for Enron, you know? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I guided Enron through their accounting. Oh, fucking did you? Get the fuck out of this interview before you, like, toxify our brand. Christ. If you enjoy these rants, guys, uh, I've, been, I've been gassing away for a while now. Uh, if you enjoy these rants, uh, and indeed if you're looking for a new cult after Brexit... Uh, I am accepting a uh, new entries to my uh, to my cult, to my Patreon more specifically. Uh, you can find me on patreon.com slash aid Thompson. Um, I put out two podcasts a week. Uh, this week will be three because I wanted to do this extra bonus one um, uh, with the announcement of the vote of no confidence. Uh, but normally I do a solo show on a Wednesday where I talk about the uh, goings on in the week, usually quite politically flavoured. Sometimes I talk about US politics also, specifically around gun control, although, you know, obviously that's a, a bit of a sensitive topic the last couple of weeks. Um, and then Friday night, I usually get a guest on. Uh, Friday just gone was Davey Moo. Uh, the week before that was Super Tansky. There's almost 100 episodes that you can grab. And uh, what else? Oh, I do a weekly blog as well. A Sunday blog each week where I take the piss out of the government. Um, and all of that, all of the episodes of the podcast and the blogs and everything are on funk-27.co.uk. Discontent Providers. Um, so yeah, if you want to go and check that out, everything's on Funk 27, uh, but the new episodes, as soon as I do a new episode, I pop it on Patreon. Um, so if you want to get first look and bonus content and everything, jump on the patreon.com uh, slash aid Thompson. And there's three tiers on there that you can jump on for jump on for that. You can sign up for slash jump on. I can't talk. Clearly I have uh, said too much. Uh, this has been fun. Thanks again, everyone. Don't forget to say, Hey, on Twitter when you've listened to this. And if you're not in a position to support on Patreon, which I know ev not everyone is, right? It's a fucking cost of living crisis. I'm not completely heartless. If you're not in a position to support the show, uh, I get it. Difficult time for everyone. All I'd ask is just share it about a bit. Share me about like the cheap harlot that I am 
uh, just send a link over to a friend of yours, maybe who you think might enjoy the episode that you've just enjoyed. Uh, that's it from me. I'll be back on Wednesday with another solo edition. Until then, take care of yourselves uh, and each other, I guess. Uh, cheerio.